You're listening to the Late Registration Podcast, a podcast that inspires teachers, administrators, and parents to grow in their knowledge, skills, and abilities while working towards creating more accessible and equitable educational spaces. Your hosts, Ashley and Michelle, are educators, moms, and SEL fanatics, and we are obsessed with empowering the next generation of leaders. Join us as we change the narrative on misbehavior and discuss all things education, including building connections, restorative practices, behavior, and social-emotional learning. We want this community to be a space where we lift one another up and support each other without shame, judgment, or bias. Trust us, you're in a safe space. Starting right now, you have the opportunity to reach your hand back and bring your friends and colleagues along for the ride. Are you ready? Let's go. All right, well, welcome to the Late Registration Podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Michelle. And, you know, we're getting ready to gear back up to go to school. I know some school districts have already started back up. My uh, brother and sister-in-law are in Indiana, and their nephew started back up on Wednesday. Um, I think a lot of schools in the DFW area are going back uh, the second week of August and then the third week in Richardson ISD, where um, we're near. But um, there's a lot of changes. Lots of changes. (laughs) Lots of changes. (laughs) Probably more so than we did Last year at this time, you know, and we were kind of still in the midst of the pandemic. I think so. And so we're actually just reading about a lot of the teacher shortages. And, you know, that means for us working in the education field, also for us as parents, like, where do we go from here? (laughs) Right. I know. I, I think we all kind of knew that this was coming, but I'm still shocked at the numbers. Yeah, it seems like it's it's going in droves, and I and I think too. Even when I talk to my peers in the education field, I hear a lot of them saying that they found other jobs or they're trying another district. Um, but just this kind of overarching sense of um, unhappiness or discontent with how things are going. Um, and so, you know, we can probably predict some of the things that um, we're unhappy with. For example, I know a lot of teachers last year were having to cover a lot of classes because there weren't enough substitute teachers. And we still had a lot of teachers who were facing COVID um, or, or the effects of COVID or many of their family had COVID. Um, and then just your regular, you know, taking off work to go out of town or just regular illness. Um, so that just really drained a lot of teachers um, in that area. Anything else that you saw this year that maybe might cause them to want to walk out, <laughs> not come back, take that risk? I saw a lot of things. And I think on top of the concerns about COVID, just you know, trying to figure out how to teach during that, um, even when the, um, you know, the COVID restrictions and all of that lessened, mm-hmm. I feel like we were still kind of operating just emotionally in that space because we had all been through so much. And I think the biggest thing that I saw was combination of kids who no longer knew how to be a student and all the adults in the building and probably the kids too, everyone was just kind of, you know, hanging by a thread. I agree. And I think a lot of kids came back, like you said, not knowing how to be a student. Um, And that was something nobody really prepared for. You know, we prepared for ask, we've prepared for social distancing, we prepared for lifting those requirements, um, but we didn't really address the social and emotional aspect of some kids that were 
enrolled and in person during this whole time. Mm -hmm. And then we had some kids who last year was the first time that they were back a campus in person. Um, and so, you know, some of those things that they got used to doing, like I even know my kids stayed home because um, my husband works from home. So my kids did virtual learning with their actual school. They still had teachers from their school. Um, they did that for the 2020-21 school year. Um, and even that was kind of an adjustment for them. You know, like my daughter was used to, you know, going and grabbing a snack at any time, you know. And so then you have to learn to adjust to, um, you know, even she, when she talked to, uh, I took her to the pediatrician a few weeks ago, and she talked about, too, how hard it was for her to, you know, not go to the bathroom on herself, you know. And she was in, she's in first, or she just finished first grade. But she's so used to in kindergarten, she had that freedom um, even though she'd gone to pre-K in person for most of the time, um, you know, we had that a little more relaxed atmosphere. So that was sure. one thing for her. We think about kids who maybe didn't have as much structure at home too, and then they're coming yeah. back to school. And teachers were not really we're not really equipping them with the tools they need to address that. And then we're also pulling them in different directions where if they had the time to sit down and make a plan, well, now you got to go cover a class, or now you got to go to this meeting, or whatever. Yeah, it so. was just layer upon layer yeah. upon layer. And, you know, I think of, and just, you know, my kids as well, they, we went back as soon as we could because none of us were good at being at home, home. students. Yep. Like we just, we weren't good at it. You we knew your limitations. We <laughs> needed structure. They needed, you know, support. They needed to be, um, you know, supervised. And I wasn't able to do that because I was back working like many parents mm -hmm. and, you know, it kind of reminds me of the of the old adage, I think, that a lot of women, and my mom certainly said when I was growing up and she was trying to get me to do my chores, that it was just easier if I just did it myself. And so I think we just had a lot of yeah. parents that were kind of over-functioning for kids because it was just easier and they just not have the capacity to try to, you know, push another yeah. thing to happen in their life like they're already Going pushing so to much. go to work yeah. they're already pushing to stay healthy they're already you know all the things and so and two I think a lot about the newer teachers like maybe their first year teaching was the year that we locked down in mm -hmm. March in 2020 Maybe they graduated in 2020 or they did their student teaching online. Yep. I just feel like they missed out on really that hands-on practical experience of what to expect in a classroom. Yeah. And so think about that. Is it even fair to like... Have that standard for yes, them? Yes, yeah. because you don't know what you don't know. Right. And there's a whole lot that you don't know about teaching and... I think it was just, like I said, just this just kept rolling into that big snowball down the hill. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of scary for me to think about my kids coming back to school. Um, you know, I mean, they were in person this last year, but then just like I was going on to the list of vacancies for the district that they're in. And I saw their schools had the longest list. I have one kid in elementary and one kid going into middle school. And I was like, what does that mean for them? You know? And so I guess, like, how do we prepare our kids for this new thing that's coming on? You know, we had to prepare them for COVID. Now we have 
teacher shortage, yeah. you know, how do, what do, what do we do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? And, you know, unfortunately, I think probably what's going to happen is that we're going to tap the already full plates of the educators who are there. And so they're going to be run even yeah. thin. Yep. You know, they're going to be overwhelmed from the get-go. They're going to be trying to pull double duty. And so it's like we can't even start off optimal. Op- yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, we just have to start off already behind and overloaded and overwhelmed. And, you know, that's all going to affect the administrators, which is then going to affect the teachers, mm-hmm. which is then going to affect the kids. I mean, it just... Yeah. It's it's going to be hard. <laughs> I think it is. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, I think... When I'm getting my kids to go back to school, you know, there's certain things that we kind of do in our house, like go back to school shopping. Mm-hmm. Um, we usually order school supplies with the packs or whatever, so we don't ever have to go out and physically buy them. We learned that beyond. <laughs> but going back to school shopping for clothes, and I always try to get my kids um, ready by going to bed early. Yeah. You know, just simple things like that. But then I'm also thinking about what are some things I can give them to help them regulate during the school day because that's not something I ever really focused on and it probably should have been. Now more than ever they're going to be with well first of all for my going to middle school teachers he doesn't know and I know you have one going into high school yeah so a whole new building a whole all those things to learn um, and then probably shifting teachers throughout those first few weeks and maybe even beyond. Um, so I mean what would if you were like what would you Thinking about your your high school, you know, you have two in high school. What kind of things would you tell them to kind yeah. of focus on? Well, I have three in high school. Oh, yeah, yeah, three. That's right. Okay. Which seems, I don't you know how that happened. To have that yeah, anyway. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> it's funny because I don't feel old enough right. either, but here we are. Here we are. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, so I have a senior this year, and so I think, like his situation is a little bit different because of course grades focus always mattered but now it's this like you've worked yeah. this hard so now it's like okay what can we do to keep you or get you above where you're at right. which and also like what other things can you handle like he has early release this year it's like can you handle after school job or a part-time job right. and still keep up with your grades Um, you know, so that's kind of what we're going back and forth with now. Um, and then I have an 11th grader and, you know, she has already said that, um, and she worked a little bit this summer. She's 16 and she's like, I don't, I can manage both school and a job during the school school year, year. right? you know, which, Hey, Hey, I'm glad she, she has that awareness that recognize that. Yeah. Um, and she's not super sure of what she wants to do after high school Uh she doesn't know um, she doesn't feel like a traditional college route is her path and so she's really thinking about you know like what type of tech or trade schools or kind of a thing and so you know think it's just about again her realizing when it's okay to push and when she needs to take a step back so that she can be successful during the school year and then my freshman You know, he's got the new building, the new teachers, the, yeah, I think it's going to be, you know, I want him to enjoy at least part of his day every day. Yes. You know, good goal. Because I want him to, I don't want to have to fight the get up and go to school thing every day. Right. Like that is a drain on everybody in the house. 
And I think it's about teaching them how to um, express their needs in ways that don't push adults' buttons. Yeah. You know, so if you need a minute, like, how do you get that without further escalating any right. situations? And, um, you know, I think that's what we're going to focus on. That's, that's really good. I mean, because, you know, they... I'm trying to also teach them to trust their instincts and listen to their bodies and not ignore that voice in their head, right? Because I think that's also important. But it's not okay to, you know, trust your instincts and run out of class or, you know, make a big scene or be disrespectful. So it's how do we express, you know, those types of things in appropriate manners with teachers who are already running thin and have maybe 35 other bodies in the room that are also have different needs, needs. Right. You know? Yeah. And yeah, That's... it's just a lot for everybody. I think. Yeah. We're all adjusting. And like you said, there's, it's got to have some sense of self-advocacy, but also understanding kind of that decorum and, and things like that. Of yeah. When to, when to kind of push more and when, when is you need to kind of fall back. Yeah. The delicate. I know. (laughs) And it's something that I'm still learning. Right. At 47. Yeah. I'm still learning how to do that. And you know what? I think, too, kind of reading about these teacher shortages, I don't mean to go back to that again, but I think some of it is teachers kind of realizing their own, like, I'm going to advocate for myself, and this is the best way I can do it is just to walk away right now. Or this is my limitation. I've reached my max. Um, And, you know, I hear a lot of them saying there's just not as a lot of joy as as there used to be in the profession. I I think I can feel that in lots of buildings. Yes. Yeah. I think we have to get away from the idea, the norm, that you have to be a martyr to be a teacher. Right. No other pos- profession nope. is it expected for you to, even in your off time, to put other people's children first. first. Right. And it makes me think of that um, meme on social media where it's like the teachers and she's the candle and like both ends are on fire. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's what we've expected. Yeah. And that's what we've required. And if you are a teacher that maybe is really good at holding up your boundaries, a lot of times the pushback that you yes. receive can be really They're hard. Difficult and not a team player, player right. and you know it's like we have got to get away from that because none of that is sustainable no. I remember in my first couple years of teaching like you know I would get to school probably you know 30 minutes 45 minutes before students came and there were teachers that were there at like 6 45 you know and I'm just like wait, this is what's expected of me? So then I started doing that as well, you know, and it wasn't until I had my son that I realized, like, this is not sustainable. What was I doing all these years? Why was I getting here so early? It didn't make me a better teacher, you know? I still had as much grading to do at the (laughs) end of the day, you know? Um, I couldn't call parents at that time. No. You know? So it's just, but you're right. We have this expectation that we're going to go above and beyond. I can't even tell you how many thousands of dollars I spent on school supplies. And I maybe got like 500 back at tax time, you know. Um, It was just, you just did it. Yeah. No. Remember even too, I would do tutoring after school and Mm -hmm. I would get paid extra for it. Um, But I spend all the money I got paid to go buy snacks for my students. So I basically maybe made a dollar, you know. Yeah, I know. That's the thing too is... And now there's all, like last year it was House Bill 4545 or Mm -hmm. whatever it was where, you know, 
each child would receive 30 extra hours of yes. tutoring for any of the standardized testing that they didn't pass. Yep. And that all fell on the campuses to figure out how to provide how that. that. And yes, teachers received some compensation, but I think what people don't realize is normally when you work a position, um, even a professional position, if you work above and beyond in a capacity that's not your norm, you're considered like a consultant. Yeah. And you're paid accordingly. According, yeah. In Teachers you, are paid less, less to do any of the extra stuff. Yep. So I may make 30 bucks an hour teaching, but if I'm tutoring after school, they may only pay me 20. Right. So not only am I spending more time, but I'm making less, less money, money to do more. Yep. And again, I think that is part of the system that is meant to keep teachers, teachers. in a spot where they feel like they have to do that. Yep. You know, or else, or else, I can't let the kids down, and the kids can't let the kids down. Yeah. My principal will be mad at me if I say no. My, you know, all of those things go into it, and it's a very re real fear because yeah. there is a lot of backlash. There is internally, and I know we talked about teacher bullies on one of yes. our episodes. But if you do stand up for yourself, people almost feel upset because you're doing something different than what they're doing or they wish they could do that. How dare you do that? Because now it's making us all look bad or your principal may even kind of have it out for you. You know, they can yeah. be principal bullies as well, you know? And so there, that fear is very real and it keeps teachers from standing up for themselves. Absolutely. You know? and, and then we stay um, in these positions a lot longer or you realize, you know what? I'm gonna peace out, and then everybody has the idea to peace out. Yeah, and then you have this massive teacher shortage, and not just in the DFW Metroplex. I mean, it's all over the Everywhere. nation. Everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So it's just widespread. Over um, in 2020, a, I took a, I signed up for a, um, like a, not a teacher support group per se, but it was. Um, a group of teachers who were looking for ways to make teaching more sustainable. Okay. And I wish I could remember the person's name, but of course I can't, but she was, and she was a younger person. And she said that her dad had told her, and it was one of the best pieces of advice I've ever heard, but he, he said, and I hope I don't mess this up. He said, if all of you keep holding up the bridge, nobody's going to know it's broken. Oh my goodness. That's like so. And it was so like, ah, yeah, that that's it. Yeah. We all hold up this rundown, broken, rickety ass yep. bridge. Yep. And so nobody, nobody knows that it's broken. I love that quote. Because that can be applied to so many things, but it's perfect for this situation. Yeah. And now we have people finally letting go of that bridge. And, and now we're forced to deal with the reckoning. Yeah. You know, and so it's. And true to form, where is the reckoning falling onto? Yeah. The shoulders of the teachers. Yep. It's not falling onto the communities. No. It's not falling onto, you know, the district leaders or the politicians who make these right. things. And so, and I hate to say this because I don't want to sound like some crazy <laughs> radical lunatic, but it's like, I think we should refuse to carry that load because it's not 
the teacher's job it's not. to carry it. No. And sometimes maybe we need to fall and I'm going to go with this whole build bridge metaphor. Build this bridge back up. Build it better than it was before. Yeah. You know, we have new materials. We have all the things that caused, you know, that no longer, we don't need the things that caused it to fall. We can start over. And we can use some of these lessons from the pandemic. Too. Yes. I mean, yes, it was it was definitely hard. It was, you know, but there's so many things that came out of it. You know, kids, even the kids who were home had to be innovative. They had to, you know, my kids had to learn how to follow a schedule. You know, so I don't really have as many worries about my son going to middle school because their elementary school is not departmentalized when they get to older grades. So he'll go from a, you know, having one teacher and then going to specials to going to middle school. Whereas when I was a kid, my middle, my elementary was departmentalized once you got to fifth grade to prepare you for, for middle school. For junior high, yeah. And, um, but I know he can follow a schedule because he had to do it. You know, even though my husband was home, my husband was working in the other room a lot of the time. So yeah. he had to learn how to get himself on. And sometimes he had to get his sister on if my husband couldn't be there. Um, so some of those things were really good, but you know, the socialization aspect was, kind of not there as much either you know but then there were some teachers who got really creative with it and made little clubs you know after school and different things like that um where they could go up to the school for a little bit or they could get online and play some games for a little bit yeah so um we just have so many different things that we can we can think of and maybe some of that tutoring this house bill 4545 maybe some of that can be outsourced you know we don't have to always rely on our teachers for everything you know maybe that will help them to become more refreshed and yeah yeah I don't know I didn't send my daughter to yeah (laughs) um because she missed it by like one question and it was like this is already a tough year yeah and I just thought it's not gonna help her right feel better about it and I just thought all this is gonna do is remind her weekly that she failed it yeah and way more on her conscience and I'm like it's just to me it's not worth it right so I got all the letters I just didn't do anything and you know with what? them we don't have to and nobody circled back around and was like See, hey and that's right there too it's like where's your kid doing at? all these things but not really even following up with them yeah you know absolutely it's just it's kind of insane um yeah you know that we're having this like facade of mm-hmm. we're caring we're going to address this but then there's really like you said there's no follow-up and Nobody then I can... wonder too like if I'm an administrator which I there's shout out to all of them <laughs> I because I certainly couldn't do could it not but if I'm an administrator like maybe how do we empower them to feel comfortable to stop requiring themselves and their teachers to hold up this bridge. Like, when can they say to district leaders, like, look, this isn't working. This is too much. Yep. If we do this, this is going to be the fallout. Yep. Kids are going to suffer. Academics are going to suffer. You know, and it's like, why? I guess it's lack of trust. I don't think parents trust schools anymore. I don't think schools trust parents anymore. No. I don't think districts tr- trust teachers, teachers I mean, to make the right decisions and it's all around you're right because there is a level of distrust for me to the schools of course as a parent but then also working in the district I'm just thinking like these parents have no idea they don't know they're so worried about 
CRT and whatever and not saying all parents are like that and not saying that those parents shouldn't have concerns if that's right. what they're concerned about but really um, for me it's the the safety it's the relationship my kids have with their teachers I want to make sure that their teachers make them feel valued make them feel safe um, so they can learn so they can learn mm-hmm. those are the most important things to me um, but there's just so many different layers. There's so many. So many. And I don't, I don't know what the answer is, but because like you said, it's kind of walking this fine line of teaching our kids self-advocacy, but also how to deal with situations and not be um, abrasive or, you know, confrontational. Um, but then it's hard, too, if your voice isn't being listened to, you know? Yeah. There's certain kids that we know get ignored or don't get taken seriously you know different sub pops um, absolutely you know, and historically have been overlooked or you know unheard written off written off yeah so that's what really concerns me is that those populations which my family is part of some of those as well being a black family um, my son's uh, received special education services what is that going to mean for for them. For them, yeah. yeah. And I wonder, too, like the, you know, I was reading in the Texas Tribune, I think it was, um, where KERA had reported that Dallas ISD alone had a thousand open teaching positions. Now, I, we don't know if those are, because um, we didn't look. Right. But are those like all like truly vacant positions? Right. Or are they trying to like get a pool for future, for future positions, positions, that type of thing? But either way, that's a huge number. It's huge. And I would almost bet my next paycheck that those, the amount of gifted programs that that includes is very small. Right. And that probably most of the Vacancies are in special education yep. and, you know, um, bilingual rooms, right. kids who have, you know, more unique needs yep. and need more are probably have the biggest openings. Yes. Yeah. And that's, I mean, like I said, I went and looked at the list of my kids' um, schools and it was, it was special ed, inclusion, ESL, bilingual, and then I would go look at some of the more affluent schools and it was like theater teacher or, you know, librarian. And not saying that those roles aren't valuable, but those aren't critical needs. They're not critical. The school can still run uh, if you don't have a theater program in your junior high or middle school. And that you could, librarian, you could always somehow figure out a way parent volunteer or whatever and especially in a affluent district you know or affluent school absolutely um so yeah so that to me really stuck out i know it's just more of the more yeah <laughs> it really is the more of the more the more of the more <sighs> i i don't know i think just for me as an educator like one thing that i'm going to make sure that i do to get ready and to be able to make it through this Mm -hmm. year and also be able to do my job well right is make sure that i'm regulated emotionally Mm -hmm. that i am you know taking care of the things that make me able to function better um you know i'm kind of one of those people where i can't if 
too many things are cluttered visually for me, like in at home, I can't concentrate on anything exactly. but that. Yeah. Like I need to have certain, certain things, things done yep. to free my brain up. And I also need to make sure that I, you know, am not taking things personally that I'm because I can be a little sensitive. No. <laughs> you know what? About That's, things. Yeah. And I also tend to have some pretty strong feelings about things. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, okay, how can I, you know, be open to constructive feedback? Right. How can I That's depersonalize good. this yep. and truly remember that it's, you know, I exist to serve kids and teachers and what can I do to make sure that I'm ready to do that? That's that's really actually like on the mark, like what we what we need. I think so. You know, especially your role is so unique because you're supporting kids and teachers. Mm-hmm. But that modeling for the kids is going to be good, and then also for the teachers because then they can model that in turn for kids. You know, and yeah. there's you know there's got to be you know I like how you talked about like taking things, you know, being sensitive to things and not taking everything so personal because there has to be a level of vulnerability, you know, to share that with, um, even with students too, you know, just saying like, listen, I know you're taking it personal that I'm making the class do this, this, and this, but really this is, you know, we're, we're all in this together or whatever, just kind of, you know, sharing that too with kids that, um, that we sometimes feel vulnerable and it's okay if they do, but reassuring them that, You know that's not the case, and I think sometimes teachers we just forget to that. You know we forget that they're they're human just like us. They're not just little people. They um, have valid feelings. Yeah, they're not boss babies. Right, right. They're kids. They're kids with kids and teenage brains. Yep. And we all forget. We all make mistakes. Yeah. We all fumble. Yep. And you know, just kind of it's just such a tightrope. It really is. I mean, without a net. Right. Because one day you may walk that tightrope so quick and so successful, and you're like, man, I've got the hang of this. I know this group I know of exactly kids. what to do. I know when yep. to push. I know when to back off. I know blah, blah, blah. Look at me. And then the very next day or the very next period you have those kids, it all falls apart. Yep. Everybody tumbles to the ground with no net, and you did the exact same thing. Yeah. So, but it doesn't allow for individuality, right? You know, at all. I mean, it kind of reminds me of how a lot of um, like theories, working theories around kids and behavior, were mostly developed working with animals. Exactly. And it's like it, rats and dogs don't have the same capacities that we do. I mean, I mean, besides eating and sleeping, you know, and it's some not the behavior, same. No. It doesn't allow for that, no. you know, conscious thought and opinions right. and individuality. Right. And so, yeah, this may work, you know, seven out of ten times. But then what the heck do we do with the other three? I know. And we can't just ignore that. We can't just ignore it. And, you know, oh, it's just difficult. It is. I think, too, more than any other year, I think it's going to be important for teachers to really get a handle on those basic pedagogical best practices. Yes. Like, yes. You know, knowing how you want your classroom to run, um, you know, teaching mm-hmm. explicitly how you want things done. Yep. What are the procedures? What are the expectations for behavior? Yeah. What are the consequences? How do we repair relationships in this class? 
classroom. Those things have to be, like I almost would think that first week you could address all those things in a variety of ways and still pair them with learning, but um, really focus on that because that's going to help your teaching and learning. Yeah, I think just the focus, like that needs to be the goal, like just how are we going to, how will students learn in this classroom Mm -hmm. and how will we be students in this classroom? And, you know, how do we get a drink of water? What if we don't feel well and we need a minute? What if we, you know, and also is huge too, I think, recognizing the things that bother me the most about that kids do. Because mm-hmm. we all have our triggers. Oh, yeah. yeah. We all have those we little all things. things that are like, okay. That is so against everything within me. And it's like <laughs> a flash pan, right. you know, reaction. And so identifying those things and then how do we share that with students so that they also share theirs with us. So we know what triggers them. Yeah. Yeah. And I always use the same example in training because, you know, I've been called all kinds of things. Oh, me too. By all kinds of people and kids. Yeah. But nothing, like you can call me whatever you want to call me. You can see you in Tahiti, whatever (laughs) it is. Nothing will affect me more than being called F-A-T. See, and, and the reason is because that is something that I have struggled with my entire life. It's a sore point from my childhood. It just, you can sit there and call me anything you want, and I won't take it personally because it's not personal. Personal to you. But you call me FAT. Right. picking at something, and you're thinking, oh my gosh, they're really going at me. Yes, yep. and it gets me so angry and fired up, and that's when I react without thinking. Right. That's when I take off my adult and teacher your hat and you know I'm the chubby little fourth grader or whatever it was that didn't fit into my new school right. year pants all of the things right it takes it does it takes us back it takes us completely back and we can't be rational we not able to be right. rational and so how do I communicate that with my students of listen if this happens I'm also going to have to work to, to be, be appropriate and yeah. rational in class what are some things adults do that drive you bonkers, right. where you feel like you're not able to make good decisions. Yeah. And, you know, I think having that conversation too, you know, because... Oh my goodness, it's so important. I mean, I think about like, like even just with my, my own kids. I have two kids that when they're upset, they just want to be left alone. Okay. Like, just leave me alone. Right. Like, I just need to chill and decompress. Stop talking to me about it. Right. Stop trying to give me options to fix it. Stop checking right. in on me. Like, just leave me alone. And then I have one kid who likes to be checked in on who likes to reassuring to be reassured who likes to come up with you know different ideas and options and so if i'm teaching him i'm gonna probably approach him when things get tough right differently than i would a kid who just needs a minute yeah can we like finally just give teachers permission to give kids a minute Without them feeling like if they're, somebody walks by and pokes their head in, they're going to get like third degree oh goodness, for why, yes. why, why is this kid, kid had their head down yes. on their desk? Yep. Why is this kid roaming around the classroom? They just need to walk a little bit or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. please just honor just, my yes. skills and professionalism. Right. And I think too, back when I was, because I was always, um, I, I was kind of kid that was just naturally good at school because I was quiet. Me too. In first grade, Mrs. Hill was my teacher. You still remember it. <laughs> I still remember. She was great. And one of my neighborhood friends, 
talked me into taking this um, like paper cutout of this baseball player. Okay. Like a paper doll almost with like a baseball player and talked me into taking it out of this kid's pencil box and giving it to him. And I knew it was wrong. Right. Obviously, I knew it was wrong, but I also um, wanted to be cool. Right, the social capital right there. And, you know, I wanted to be in that group of kids, and so I did it. And, of course, I got caught, caught, got in trouble. And (laughs) when I say that I... This probably happened at like 11 a.m. And when I say that I put my head down on my desk and cried the entire rest of the day, I'm not even kidding. Yeah. Like snot coming it's, from my yeah. nose because I was ashamed. My mom like helped out on the playground at the school so during recesses. Like, oh, no. So she knew immediately. Oh my gosh. I knew I was going to get into huge trouble. I felt shame because I loved Mrs. Hill and right. I didn't want to disappoint her. And you know what? Nobody came by her classroom and was like, why aren't you getting her reengaged? Why aren't you doing this? Nobody. Like, they just trusted trusted. her. Yeah. And then the next day, like, I didn't want to go back to school the next day, of course. Because I'm feeling humiliated. And she took me aside. And the only thing she said is she knelt down and she's like, I'm glad you're here. Let's make today a better day. And not harping on. And that was it. Yeah. That See, was it. That's all you need. And I was like, oh, okay, good. It's just a relief. Whew, you yeah. know. Like, I'll I, never I forget that. I can make that. a bad decision. There's always, I can always a fresh start. Can always yeah. overcome it. Yeah. You know, and that's, that taught me a lot about yeah. just how I deal with really kids and people in general. That's so, yeah. You know, but I will never forget how shameful. Oh, I know. And I it's felt. embarrassing. And I'm just thinking kind of a similar situation. I had got, I was older, I got my first detention ever in seventh grade. Ugh. I think that was my only detention I've ever had. Just shows you kind of, yeah, know, same personality <laughs> as you. Rule follower. People and pleasers. I don't know what it was for. I don't know if I was talking in class because I did talk a lot. I was very talkative as a kid, hence why we have podcasts. Um, or I was late. Maybe I was late three times. I can't remember, but whatever it was, I was mortified about going to detention. I wasn't really scared to tell my parents. I knew that, you know, that my dad would just be like, okay, I'll just have to pick you up, you know, because I carpooled with um, a neighbor. And and the teacher who gave it to me was Senora Hayes. She was my Spanish teacher. Loved her, you know, but she was like, whatever it was, like she had to give me a detention. Yeah. If fair is fair. Fair is fair. You know? And so I knew that it was, it was, we had, um, our school was like these three domes. That's how it was built. It was built, I think, in the 60s or 70s when that was like a popular style. And um, yeah, I had to go to the very top, like the third or fourth floor. And my locker was all the way on the first floor. And so after school, I like rushed to go to my locker, you know, get everything out, rushed to get up there. And the person shut the door right in front of me. Oh, no. I was just like, oh my gosh, I don't even know what to do. Like, she was like, no, you're late to detention. Sorry. So I walk downstairs. I walk into Senora Hayes' room and I say, Senora Hayes, I know you gave me detention, but they wouldn't let me go into detention. Like, I don't even know what to do. I was like crying. I was like, my dad's not coming for another hour. Like, what, what, what do I do? And she was like, okay, you just walk me back up there. She was like, we're going to dry ourselves, my, your eyes off. And she went in there and she told the teacher, she's like, listen, she tried to get here as fast as she could. You're going to let her in here to serve her detention. And 
It wasn't, you know, and nobody, like, I was afraid that because everybody was in there. And they were all, like, older kids. Like, it was, like, I was in seventh grade, and they were, like, in eighth or ninth grade. Yeah. And so already, um, you know, nobody made me feel weird. You know, I didn't have to, you know, it was just fine. But she took the time, like, okay, I'm going to go advocate for her. I know this girl. I know she didn't even really need the detention. She already felt bad enough yeah. <laughs> as it is. We're going to let her serve it. Because I think it was something where if I didn't serve it, then it was like automatic ISS or OSS yeah. or something. And I was like, can't have that. You know, it yeah. was just everything in the 90s and 80s was like automatic. Like, yeah. If you did something, you didn't get another chance. You just, yeah. you know, automatic whatever. And so I was just terrified. I was like, I can't believe I'm going to have ISS on my record. Not knowing that long run doesn't matter. You but, mean a four-year still yeah, look at how many that. times you've had ISS? <laughs> Darn it. Yeah, but yeah. And I think, too, like the teacher who was in charge of detention, she doesn't know you. She's got job expectations. Right. And it was full. Like, I remember walking in there, and like I said, we were at the top of the of the building, and it was just the whole floor was that classroom. Wow. So it was just, you had kids all over the place and it wasn't, it wasn't restorative. We literally sat there. They didn't have us, you know, we didn't even have to like write lines like Bart Simpson or anything. Yeah. It was just, you just sat there for an hour and then you left. And, and you left. That was it. Yeah, that's So what. there really wasn't any learning. So a lot of those kids that were in there were repeat offenders. Yeah. Whereas I just was like, this is pointless. Like, I don't want to come back here. Like, I'm not busy work. anything. Yeah, it was busy work. I mean, I got to work on my homework, but I was scared to even, like, take my notebook out. As You know, like, I remember getting one notebook out, and I was like, oh, I need to get grab this, too. And I was like, scared to get the textbook out, you know? Yeah. So I just kind of sat there, scared to move kind of thing, but... Um, yeah. And it's interesting because you knew to go back to the teacher. Yes. Because you probably had, had a relationship, with, a relationship her. with her. But how many kids either wouldn't know to go right. do that so that that teacher could say, hey, I appreciate you for holding the right. standards, but this is truly okay right. kind of a thing. Yeah. Like, do they know to go to back to the teacher? Do they feel comfortable going back right. to the teacher? Had they done it before and the teacher was like, well, you should have been there on time yeah. or whatever, you know? You're young. Um, you can run up young. those three flights of stairs right. fast. What are you complaining to me about? Which I had my flute and you know yeah. all the all the things. A big old backpack and probably a heavy jacket. Oh, gosh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, I'm such a dork. Like so, I I can just picture my little yeah seventy five pound frame trying to go up yeah. there because I was like the I was so tiny and so like small at that age. Like I didn't really hit a growth spurt until I got into high school. Um, but yeah, I just, <laughs> just can picture it like, uh, and I'm probably like ran to my dad, probably like, it was horrible. Uh, <laughs> you know? Don't make me ever don't go make back, me go back. I'm sorry, dad, you know, yeah. but, but yeah, it was just a different, a different time. And so I feel like we've come a long way in some ways. Yeah. But then there's still teachers that have that practice, those practices too, you know, that everything is punitive. Everything is, you got to yeah. learn a lesson. You'll never, you'll never cross us again. And I just... I hate that because it does. It takes some of the joy out of learning, you know. It and does. I was still able to come back, even though I had that horrible experience. Knowing that Miss that Senora Hayes stood up for me and everything, yes. you know, it just made me one. I wanted to work harder for her. I didn't want to be the talker or be late. Yeah. Um, which you know, at that time too, a lot of it was like I wanted to be cool with my friends. Of course, and, you know, whatever. Like I was talking or late. Stop it! A seventh graders trying to fit in. in that social capital. Gosh. I know. So yeah, so it was just, it was very different um, to feel that way. And so I think sometimes we have to have a little bit of grace for our kiddos. Yeah, I so, think so too. Yeah. And um, 
I think that just remembering that and we can still have consequences and discipline without does it that doesn't mean that we can't have consequences and discipline because exactly. that's how we learn right that is exactly this right but what does our discipline look like right is it really something that they can learn from yeah too so that's yeah. that's kind of how we have to look at it lots to think about yeah. lots to kind of chew on and I mean I'm just gonna say it good luck everybody <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Good luck in these Good next luck. few weeks, and we hope we've given, like she said, hope you give me something to chew on. Um, yeah. As we return these these next few weeks, but just give your teacher some grace. Yeah. Give your baby some grace as they go back to school. Yeah. Give yourself some grace. Yes. yes. So, thank you so much for tuning in to the Late Registration Podcast. This is Ashley signing off, and I'm Michelle, and we will see you next time. Have a great week. I am so sorry. <laughs>